for issue 164, talking about sound shapes. You can play along with Kane and Rinse Volume 4. Our next five issues are WarioWare Inc., Mega Micro Games, and Mega Party Games. That is the original Game Boy Advance game and the GameCube iteration. Uh, Chrono Trigger. Then we continue our Silent Hill run with Silent Hill Origins. And continue the series on Wolfenstein with Wolfenstein 2009. And then come up to one of my personal favorite games, Sleeping Dogs. Uh, you can head over to thecanonrinse.com for the full schedule, the blog, and links to our merchandise stall, Facebook, Google+, and YouTube. I always appreciate when you uh, go and check those out, because we do a lot of, uh, lot of interesting things, not just on the podcast here, but lots of, uh, lots of avenues, and they can always use a little bit more attention. <laughs> uh, we also have a new-ish podcast that we're adding to the Kane and Rinse family. That is Sound of Play. Anyways, that is a... Uh, podcast that we do every other week, uh, releasing on Wednesdays uh, in a separate feed. Uh, we would talk about our favorite video game music. So now at the time of release of this episode, we will have nine sound of plays, or sounds of play, I think is the correct pluralization, like a uh, uh, Masters of Ceremony or Kings of Leon. So anyways, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, and uh, we will Come back to you week after week with very fun episodes here. All right, joining me, Ryan Heyman, in this issue, we have Joshua Garrity. Hello there. Carl Moon. Hey, guys. And Sean O'Brien. Hello, hello. All right, a full panel to talk about sound shapes today. Our apologies to James Carter, who couldn't be here today, although I'm not quite sure he would have fit in the door with all of us here in our tiny recording studio deep beneath the Atlantic Ocean. It's a little bit of a cane and rinse behind the scenes for you. Anyways, let's start off with, uh, let's hear from Josh. How did you hear about Sound Shapes in the first place, and how did you come to play it? Um, I mean, uh, I'm going to keep this short because there's not much of a story to this, really. Uh, just that I really like music games like Rez and, and stuff like that and, um, and uh, Sword and Sorcery. Uh, every, you know, any game that's about music in that kind of way... No, I'm not so much interested in the kind of karaoke rock band stuff, but like the ga- the games that really are about music, the the same way Res and Sword and Sorcery are. That that really appeals to me, mm. and uh, I remember seeing lots of trailers for this at various uh, games conferences, um, and yeah, it just looked right up my street, and uh, yeah, it was a day one purchase for me. And what about you, Carl? How far back do you go with sound shapes? Mine was a little different. I was I must have been watching E3 in 2012, and it was one of those shows that was shown on game trailers where it's showing you sort of behind the scenes and the little smaller stalls. And I remember it cut to this tiny little stall. It was maybe a couple of tables, and it was outside in the corner of a courtyard. Mm, and they thought, well, that. we might as well we might as well go over to these guys, and they, they were huddled around a couple of <laughs> PlayStation Vitas, which. It always struck me as really odd that they showed it off on the Vita, considering it launched on the PS3 as well. Mm-hmm. And it was completely not on my radar until I saw the PR guy for the company talking about it. And it wasn't just like a paid-for PR guy talking about a game. It was He was clearly incredibly passionate about this game. Mm-hmm. And he had maybe five to ten minutes to talk about it, including showing it. And he tried to get so much information out and he was sort of falling over his words and he was trying to show stuff at the same time and he couldn't quite get it out and it was at that moment that that passion sort of 
it, it, it sort of took over and I was became really interested in this project because it was never really showcased on the on the main stage at E3 and obviously 2012 was quite a big year because everyone knew that we were you know we were hoping for the, the big console reveals um which obviously didn't come and it was all about like the triple A titles and and this tiny little title sort of excited me more for for how interested the people involved in this project were with the you know the the, the potential for the creator levels and the introduction of music and the way that the, the the game revolved around the music like Josh said the way that the whole levels were formed around that I thought that's really really interesting so it, it, and that was must have been five months I'm guessing four months before release so it was from really that moment for me that that got me interested in sound shapes. Now, was this kind of during the time when Sony was starting to shift its focus, not away from the AAA games, but towards giving indie developers mm-hmm. kind of the same kind of spotlight that they give the AAAs? Because that's kind of one of the things that their press conferences are uh, almost famous for now, is you know showing yeah. things like Octodad on the big screens and saying that this is a, a experience that PlayStation is proud to call its own. And this might have been during that transitionary period where they were starting to give them a little bit more spotlight. Yeah, I, th- I think so. And certainly sort of... It, the, the, I remember that whoever was filming it, I'm not sure if it was necessarily game trailers doing it, but it was their feed. Um, and it was in between the main shows. So I think we'd, we'd probably just seen Microsoft, given that they go first, or EA or something like that. And they were sort of pushed in towards this corner, like, oh, okay, we'll go film these guys. And, and yeah, <laughs> but, um, but th- they were there, It was, and it was just this tiny little company that, that you know, queasy games, <laughs> you know, who are they sort of thing. And yeah, it was it was a real passion project. Right. So what about, uh, what about Sean? Yeah, much like Josh, I was really into uh, music games similar to this. But for some reason, when I first saw it, it didn't, it must have been the visual style didn't really grab me, kind of like a... I was talking about Splunky a couple weeks ago, the same kind of thing where the idea of the game was interesting to me, but the visual style wasn't grabbing me too much. And um, it wasn't until a video I saw, it was shortly before the game came out, um, Jonathan Mack put out a video, um, I think it was on Sony's official YouTube channel, that uh, showed him, uh, or showed, displayed him showing you how to uh, create a level in the game. And he's doing it all on Vita and just, you know, all the tapping and the swiping and the pinching and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, that looks super cool. Like coming from a musical background, you know, I play guitar. I've been in a bunch of bands. The idea of creating music in a game uh, was really appealing to me. So, yeah, after that, I was day one and uh, played the hell out of it on Vita. So Yeah, and uh, for me, I also really like music games, really like this and a minimalist art style, but it's something that somehow had eluded my eluded my cone of vision until mm-hmm. it came out, and I started seeing the reviews were pretty uniformly very high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, especially for something that you know I hadn't really heard of that much beforehand. So I, I checked it out pretty soon after launch, and have uh, replayed it many times since then. But I was an early adopter, but not one who had been anxiously anticipating it before it had come out. Sound Shapes, as we've mentioned, is a musical, uh, I'd say, uh, platformer-ish game. It kind of uh, fits in between genres in a few interesting ways. Developed by folks at Queasy Games, which is a uh, studio that is primarily run by Jonathan Mack. It's kind of a one-person uh, one-person team. He's put out a few games in the past, including Flowers of Error in 2008, 
which is a kind of psychedelic bullet hell-like game in which you control not only your avatar, but also your enemies. You can kind of drag things around the screen. You destroy enemies to collect letters. That's what they drop when they are killed, which the more letters that you collect throughout your uh, throughout your run, the more of a like a short poem or a story you get upon the uh, game over screen. That's kind of an interesting uh, scoring mechanic. It has a lot of musical elements, as we'll find uh, uh, to be a pattern throughout Queasy Games' backlog. That's because uh, Jonathan Mack is a bit of a musician himself, and he mm-hmm. composed a lot of the background music for his games and wanted to create visuals that reflected that as well. Probably the biggest game that Queasy Games had done in the past was one called Everyday Shooter from back in 2007. This was released on the PC through Steam and on the PS3, in which it became a pretty big name on the PS3 early like PSN marketplace. Mm-hmm. I think it was even ported to PSP at some point. Yep. Did any of you play Everyday Shooter? No, I never picked it up. Um, I, I remember it got quite a bit of presence on, on mm. the, the Steam home front, and it was always one that I'll pick up you know, when it's a little bit cheaper, when it's a little bit cheaper, and I just moved on, and it always seemed quite interesting. But it's not something that I ever got around to picking. It did have a quite interesting art style. Yeah, I, I remember not really liking the art style that much just from screenshots. And so I think that kind of discouraged me from picking it up. Although um, watching it in motion just on videos, I think I made the wrong call there. It seems kind of interesting. Yeah. It's kind of like a twin stick shooter in which the intensity of the music increases the density of enemies on screen. And so the emotional experience of playing the game reflects what's going on musically. Uh, like we've seen in Beat Hazard, uh, which has been put out through Steam, and uh, even Symphony. Uh, there's been a few games that have kind of uh, held on to that idea uh, as early as like Vib Ribbon. Again, Jonathan wrote the music for this game. Uh, he put out one in 2006 for a Toe Jam game jam in which he just calls Toe Jam Thing. It's kind of an <laughs> interesting inflate em up, kind of a twin stick shooter style control method in which you... Um, fire waves of projectiles at enemies and if you uh, hit them in rapid succession then they'll pop like a balloon if you hit them in a slower succession then they'll just get bigger and bigger and become kind of slower and take up more of the screen so Mm. it's not as much like a score chaser or anything like that it's just kind of a fun like little browser game that you can play is that um i'm assuming that two means toronto I'd assume so, because, yeah, him and a lot of the people that worked on Sound Shapes are from the Toronto area, so there's a nice little community of people who all knew each other up there. But the Queasy Games roster saw an increase for Sound Shapes as Jonathan collaborated with a musician, a local electronica musician that he saw perform and really liked the, uh, the style of, called I Am Robot and Proud, and that is uh, Shaw Hanlim who previously played with Jim Guthrie, who we'll know from not only contributing to Sound Shapes, but also from uh, uh, writing the soundtrack to Indie Games the Movie and the Super Brothers Sword and Sorcery EP. So he's a bit of a name in the indie game space as well. The game was published by Sony Computer Entertainment Santa Monica Studio, who is uh, probably a fairly familiar name, or at least should be. You might not be immediately familiar off the top of your head with it but you've definitely if you had a playstation system Hmm. have uh played things with their fingerprints on it Uh, they developed the god of war series internally that's that's their baby but they are also perhaps more famous for housing and funding indie game studios and 
bringing a lot of their games to the PlayStation Marketplace. Studios like that game company who released Flow, Flower, Journey, among others, uh, Q Games, who did Pixel Junk, and they've also published The Unfinished Swan, What Remains of Edith Finch, Hohokam, Warhawk, Linger in Shadows, Fat Princess, Twisted Metal for the PS3, Starhawk, PlayStation All-Stars Battle Royale, The Order 1886, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, and Wadham, which, you know, fans of PlayStation, those are, you know, some of the cornerstone titles, especially for the digital space in PlayStation. Primary exclusive titles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sound Shapes was released originally on the PlayStation 3 and PS Vita in 2012. Did that have a simultaneous release mm-hmm. on those two platforms? It did. I remember um, I remember they were primarily initially showing it on Vita, because I, I want to say it was originally made as a uh, Vita exclusive, but I think uh, Sony and Queasy both kind of saw the uh, not-so-good sales of the Vita. And so, like, uh, like not too shortly before the game was released, they announced the PS3 version. And, um, yeah, it was released uh, simultaneously. During the early days of cross-buy as yep. well. Mm-hmm. You bought the PS3 version, you got the PS Vita version as a download for free as well. In 2013, it was ported over to the PlayStation 4 pretty soon after the PS4's launch. It was also made available as a cross-buy as well. So if you had bought Sound Shapes on either of the pre- previous platforms, even you know an entire year in advance, then you would have the PS4 version waiting for you in your library as soon as you wanted it. Mm-hmm. So one of the major things about Sound Shapes that makes it so interesting is uh, that it is a music game, and the music was composed by multiple composers, all in kind of different styles, and some of them even from the mainstream musical world music from the collections of levels were composed by Shahan, who um, I Am Robot and Proud, and Jonathan Mack contributed to those. But uh, yeah, they had uh, Jim Guthrie from uh, Sword and Sorcery EP that we mentioned earlier do a a few songs for the game, as well as Dead Mouse, uh, kind of a big name electronic artist, Mm -hmm. and uh, Beck, who recently won, uh, was it Best Album of the Year? I think so, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, at the Grammys. So, uh, yeah, Beck has been recording forever now, and um, <laughs> it's kind of a neat to have kind of a big name from outside mm-hmm. the video game space come in and contribute to what feels like a kind of a small, personal, independent game project. Yeah, and also what I like is that they're not obvious choices mm, for this yeah. game as well. Like... Beck isn't the first person I would think of to ring up and go, hey, do you want to do a soundtrack for a video game? It was, uh, yeah, I, I really like these uh, these choices because it lends the game, and I'm sure we'll get onto this later, it, it lends the game so many different flavors that mm. uh, music games like this don't usually have. You tend to have this one consistent vision for the soundtrack of the game, which, uh, you know, in most most cases I really love, but in this case, I I really appreciate the variety that we're presented. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was interesting because when I saw the list, um, because originally I thought it was going to be all in-house, um, as, as I think many did, and, and then it would revolve around user-created content. And I remember when I saw Dead Mouse, I thought, oh, this must be a, a bigger budget title than I was expecting it to be. And I was really excited because I'm not a crazy fan of Dead Mouse, but I'll happily listen to, to the music. Um I've enjoyed it for the most part. And then I saw Beck, who is probably no exaggeration when I say he's one of my least favorite artists of all time. Um, <laughs> and 
I was like, well, that's disappointing. Um, <laughs> and then when I saw that the, the, that was it, they were the four, I thought, well, that's a quarter of the game is back, and that's a little bit disappointing. <laughs> um, I, I, it didn't put me off buying it because, uh, you, you know, I like to support projects like this anyway. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, I, had, I enjoyed the fact that it seemed like it was going to be quite diverse because mm. who doesn't like Jim Guthrie's uh, mm. soundtrack from Sword and Sorcery? Uh, and it, and if you don't, you're dead to me because it's wonderful. <laughs> and obviously, we've got then Dead Mouse. I thought this is really good. So, it, it, in terms of being diverse, it was excellent. But I was a little disappointed when I saw Beck. Mm. Yeah, for me, it was it was kind of weird because I hadn't really listened to and well, I've listened to Beck, of course, but um, hadn't really listened to any of the other artists. Like I've I've only played honestly a couple minutes of Sword and Sorcery, um, which is probably to my detriment, but. Uh, Beck, um, I'm not like a huge fan of, but I do love that song from Eternal Sunshine, um, the closing credits song, and that's it's a beautiful song. Um, but and Dead Mouse, I I mean I haven't really heard any of his stuff uh, even after playing the game. Um, yeah. From, from what I understand, is he a is he dubstep or is it just electronic kind of stuff? I'm not. I believe he was kind of on the early dubstep train. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, knowing that, I was kind of like just. Like, eh, okay, I guess I'll give his level a shot, and his levels ended up being probably my second favorite out of the whole, <laughs> out of the whole group. Yeah, I, 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 I'm kind of in the same camp as you, Sean, because I mean, I, I have to admit, like, I'm not very up to speed with a lot of modern music these days. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, apart from Beck and Jim Guffrey, I didn't know who most of these people were, and. Um, Sean Bell, a podcaster on Midnight Resistance, uh, really hates Dead Mouse. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Is it Dead, Dead Mouse? Mouse? Dead, Dead Mouse. Mouse, yeah. yeah. Uh, he really hates Dead Mouse to the, to the point where he basically skipped this entire oh. section of the game. <laughs> and, and now, uh, like, like you, Sean, I haven't heard any of his music yeah. outside yeah. of this. I've only heard his music in this game. I, I think he's one of the best sections of this this yeah. game. Like um, Beck is probably my favorite section of the game, mm-hmm. um, and th- I think there's a reason why it's the last section of the game. They knew which <laughs> sure. they knew which album to finish on. But yeah, I <laughs> I I would really urge anyone who's listening to this who kind of feels similarly to Sean Bell that they really hated Dead Mouse's music outside of this game to give his section of the game a shot because um, I I really liked it and I'm. Not I'm I'm not a fan of electronic and dubstep uh, dubstep music, but I yeah. absolutely fell in love with his section of the game. See, I was sort of as I said, I was interested, I was excited to play the Dead Mouse stuff because mm. I mean it's kind of surprising that that two of you haven't heard of him because he's kind of a big deal. It's it's nothing to do with him. It's to do with how ignorant I am of the modern <laughs> music scene. It, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. So. It, he was the third world, and I thought, this is going to be excellent. I'm going to really like this. I like a lot of his music. And I didn't like the Dead Mouse levels. Oh. <laughs> um, I didn't so much like the art style, which mm. I think probably happened as a result. It came off the back of the Super Brothers uh, mm. levels, and they follow very much the style of the game and are really interesting to look at, probably more interesting to look at than the art sound when you play them. And mm. in terms of the Dead Mouse, it left me a little bit flat. And I was like, well, that's underwhelming because I've got Beck next. And then I booted up the Beck levels and they are brilliant. So 
What I've learned since playing this regarding Beck is that the music works better for specific situations than I find if I'm just like trying to listen to an album mm. and there's no reference as to what each thing's in relation to. Mm. So mm. like like Sean said, the, the end credits to Eternal Sunshine works perfectly in relation to that film. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, you've got the levels in Beck work wonderfully with the art direction and, and the art style of those levels, you know, like Cities, for example, is just so wonderful to play because it looks beautiful and the music relates completely to what we say mm. and it, it just fit perfectly. So go figure, So you know, as someone who was really <laughs> looking forward to Dead Mouse and was really mm. worried about playing Beck, um, they were probably the opposites for me. Dead Mouse was probably my least favourite of the four and Beck was certainly by far and away my favourite. We'll touch on them more individually later, uh, mm. but uh, yeah, I think it is interesting that those two choices do seem to be from almost polar opposite yeah. spectrums of musical taste. Yeah, I, I see like Dead Mouse seems like, like an easy choice. Like he's somebody who works in the electronic music field, which, you know, video game music by nature is electronic a lot of the time. You know, especially in the electronica dubstep scene, a lot of it is made of uh, a sampling of components, the looping of those samples, and remixing them in interesting ways, which plays really nicely with the mechanics of sound shapes. But also Beck, uh, who's probably most famous for writing songs rather than like background music mm, that you mm, would uh, yeah. overlay a game onto. Beck does have a really good understanding of how to layer instruments and how to mm -hmm. layer vocals and how to uh, make very distinct sounds play with each other. And so, you know, maybe that's what somebody heard in his music or, uh, you know, or, or maybe they called up Prince and couldn't get him because I, <laughs> Prince would make some wonderful oh sound shape levels. <laughs> yeah. So we have I Am Robot and Proud, Jim Guthrie, Dead Mouse, and Beck on the soundtrack for this one. I thought it'd be interesting to kind of go into a bit of the uh, origins of sound shapes. From what I dug up, it, it sounds like it was from the very beginning a collaboration between Jonathan and Shahan, who was a musician. And they created this game as, I, I guess it started as a series of music visualizers for Shahan's shows. And I, I don't know, something about that, like it, it makes sense that that's where this would come from as a way of, of simply uh, making the music pop in a visual way. And uh, having that, that background, that pedigree, put this game in, heading in the right direction from the very beginning. So the gameplay of this one could be described as a uh, kind of non-traditional 2D platformer. You play as a little... I, what is it? Is a blob, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> the it was, blob. looks like an egg or like yeah. an eyeball or something. Yeah. You're able to stick to any lightly or any light-colored surface... Uh, you can't stick to any dark-colored surface, and any red-colored surface will kill you. And those are kind of the very basic mechanics. You uh, jump from shape to shape. Uh, a lot of them make noise or light up or do something interesting visually. In its core, it has some uh, very simple mechanics. Yeah, and I think um, one of the biggest criticisms leveled at this game is that while the music is great and the art is great, as a player, you don't have much influence on what's going on in the world. A lot, a lot of the music actually uh, 
is more linked with enemies and obstacles and stuff mm. like that rather than mm-hmm. uh, your actions as a player. Now, I mean, you can change the music a bit by collecting uh, certain items to add to the track, but ultimately you're kind of just jumping on, you know, jumping on platforms uh, trying to get to the end. And um, I, I do get that criticism to a degree, sure. yeah. but... I am so overwhelmed by the art, the art and the music <laughs> that yeah. I'm almost like I don't know. Would to, would more interactivity get in the way of that? Uh, mm. Would more interactivity kind of take away from this beautiful art show that right, I'm being right. presented? Um, and at, I mean, at the end of the day, I I I would rather the uh, the player character, the controls for the player character, be simple, and the obstacles be the complex part of the game, which is what increasingly happens the further yeah. you get through the game, especially when you get to say Beck's album and um, yeah. and uh, Dead Mouse's album, where. All the enemies are key, you know, uh, keying off the music and 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 are in time with the music. But um, yeah, uh, it, I, I I certainly wouldn't consider this to be the strongest element of the game. But sure, it's non-offensive. Like it, it, it didn't do anything that frustrated me. I mean, it, it's purely a mechanic for the basis of building a game. You know, it, to showcase what the actual intent was. Mm-hmm. Which is obviously to showcase the creative visualization of, of of mixing the music with the with the imagery, and it's a non-competitive platformer. You know, you're not running a time limit. You're not running um, mm-hmm. against uh, enemies that are actively seeking you out. You know, right, if right. you want games like that, we've got Super Meat Boy, we've got Spelunky. Are you going to beat those games? No, but this game stands out because it doesn't try and compete with anything else. It is purely sound shapes. Um, which is a really descriptive title of what it is, really. Um, it, it it's all about the sound and, and jumping from shape to shape. It's there is no other reason for getting through the levels other than you wanting to see and hear what the mm-hmm. next level mm-hmm. looks like. Yeah, and I think this is also where the uh, community comes in and ends up being a blessing to the game that there was a whole uh, UGC element to it because I th- I think. Uh, if it, if the game was just the four albums, I would kind of get that it'd be a little disappointing gameplay wise, um, but that there is so much more that you can actually do when you delve into the online mm-hmm. stuff. Um, that it, there, you, it can get really hard if you wanted to. If you if you dig into some of those community levels, they're incredibly difficult. Yeah, of course. I think I mean I think we'll have to discuss the community created stuff probably later on in the show yeah, but sure. it, it, yeah. it it's you know from just dipping into it it's a very different experience to what the, totally. the, the four yeah. produced professionally yeah. produced uh, environments are very very different it's almost like in little big planet a lot of people say that the single player mode of little big planet is only yep. there to inspire people to create things of their own <laughs> yeah. and yeah. to show off like these are what the tools can do mm. here's some ideas not so much trying to create like a really satisfying deep mo- or single player experience although uh sound shapes i, I i've gone back to and i played multiple times sure. over yeah, even if there was no creator or no user generated content I would be more than satisfied with mm. the amount I paid for sound shapes. And of course, the, the, mm. there are several types of game in there. If you, if you, you know, yeah, if you true. want to label it as that, if you're into sort of, whilst it's not like writing music, but if that's what you're into, you know, if you write your music, mm-hmm. the, there's the the music school in there where mm-hmm. 
you can sort of test yourself on your knowledge of keys and, and stuff and that that went right above my head but it, it the that almost reminded me of um when i was at school when i was at college there was a, a lad who was always in he, he would teach guitar lessons and all sorts of, like you know he was 17 and he was he was teaching at a ridiculously high standard mm. and he was remember everyone used to have those uh, nokia phones and you yeah. used to enter <laughs> these strange numbers in and each <laughs> yeah. one would be a note uh-huh. and people would be like oh you know I, I really want like creep by radiohead and he'd be like give us your phone and you just like tap 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 away and all of a sudden he's created creep on your phone <laughs> because he recognized what each number meant to the notes and knew what order to put them in now that's essentially what beat beat schools like yeah. in, in the mm. in the in the game and it, it, if you want to it's basically it plays the tune and then you try and match it and that was quite a cool little thing because i think it gave you a better understanding of the pacing of creating levels if mm. if you wanted to take it seriously into the into the creation mode for creating the, the uh, a full experienced level um mm. but you know obviously they, they weren't stupid they knew that it was a quick way to get trophies as well if people were just sure. wanting to follow a guide <laughs> and then sold a shed load of dlc on the back of that <laughs> um I'll, I'll i'll hold my hands up and admit i was one of the ones that bought them all and yeah, but i quite like <laughs> i liked the concept of the mode but it went right over my head. I couldn't mm. do it. But I thought that was a pretty cool addition. Uh, you mentioned earlier that uh, there's no time limit. There's no... Scoring is a little different in this game. I don't want to say that there's absolutely no scoring. Um, yeah. You, leaderboards. You, and that is uh, um, like points, not music. There's plenty of scoring music-wise. Um, <laughs> but there are little collectibles scattered throughout the level. And each of those, when collected play a part of the looping background music. They unlock another instrument effect, another drum hit, or another banjo progression. And so it continually builds and builds on the music. At the end of the level, they total up how many you receive throughout the level, which in probably most, but, uh, you know, all but maybe one or two instances is going to be all of them. Yeah, <laughs> uh, if you're a diligent collector, they're not you know terribly tricky to find. No. But uh, yeah, it, it just sort of says, "Nice job, on to the next level." <laughs> yeah. uh, here's how quickly you did it, but it, it doesn't necessarily punish you or reward you for going any faster or slower. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no life system. It's just uh, you know just keep going and just enjoy the music. And the fact that it started off as a music visualizer, I think, kind of reflects that they wanted something that's kind of low pressure and that you yeah. can play in any way that you want to. Yeah, it sort of puts a little bit of game into your game. Mm. You know, that, that that that's purely all that is. Is it, it's something interactive uh, for for the player, as opposed to obviously everything else that's interactive mm-hmm. is, is music uh, and vision uh, visuals. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, it's like you say, it's it's completely non-punishing. But I think in the end, I ended up going through and getting them all because why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. And and I actually did for. Like probably about the first month after release, I did kind of get into the leaderboards, um, even though it doesn't really feel like it'd be much of a competitive game at all. Obviously, as you both said, I did still find myself uh, wondering how some of these people did these levels so fast. Like some of them are done in like a minute, and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, how do you do it that fast? Yeah. Like a minute with all the things collected, and it's just so. But after a while, you know, I kind of just let that stuff go. But there is a little bit of a competitive side if you want it, but it's totally, as you said, just doesn't impact the game in any way. It is kind of funny every time it asks me, do you want to post your score to the leaderboard? I almost like, I wish there was a third option that says like, why would I do such yeah. a thing? <laughs> yeah, we should probably get into the backbone of the game. 
that wasn't apparent to me when I first played it, but when I um, when I did experience it, it I, I don't know. It was, it's like playing Portal for the first time. Like you just see the world in a completely different way, mm-hmm. um, as far as the world of this game, anyways. You're you're very happy just playing a few levels, getting the hang of uh, jumping from platform to platform, collecting all these notes and unlocking the music as you go. And then it drops you into a tutorial for the um, for the level builder, mm. which is a uh, sequencer of sorts. It plays uh, there's a little bar that goes from left to right that kind of represents the uh, probably like a four count measure, and you can play or you can place the various notes, uh, various instruments anywhere on that board and uh the higher they are vertically on the screen the higher note will play and then lower is lower of course and uh the farther to the right side of the screen they are the later in the measure they'll play and uh, so it works as a very kind of rudimentary Mm -hmm. uh, sequencer Uh, for those of you who are familiar with electronic music like it's probably a very comfortable thing to get into and then it instructs you to kind of uh, just use the various shapes and enemies to build a level around the song that you've created and so in a sense it uh you can create the song first and you can build a level to make those little nodes collectible which is a really interesting way to build a level that i've never really experienced before and it kind of it made me see all of the levels that they've created in a completely different way Mm. yeah i got really into this as as i said before you know I, i play music and um just being able to write your own songs in the game was a lot of fun for me. <laughs> like a lot of aborted attempts though. Like it, it, it gets a little tricky if you're trying to create your own specific beat because um, a lot of it is kind of preset. Uh, but still it's, it, it was ended up being a whole lot of fun for me. And I ended up with uh, two levels that I was, I was pretty okay with uh, ultimately. <laughs> um, but man, some of the stuff people came up with in this uh level building was just crazy kind of like how yeah. like you mentioned little big planet earlier and how people started making first person shooters out of that and they were very rudimentary but it's still like they didn't even think something like that could be possible <laughs> and um man some of the stuff in the community they had like like they would make story based kind of games like other levels where they would somehow uh push uh shapes on top of each other to form words that you could basically uh platform against and so they would make like a full story start to finish uh in a matter of like five minutes and some of them were kind of silly and some of them like there's one level called melancholia that i think got um pretty high up there in the popularity but it uh it was the story of the guy who made the level he um had an accident where his wife and child had passed away and so his level was totally about the year before that and it's actually ended up being really touching. And um, just the fact that I, I didn't even think something like that could come out of what I saw from the game, those first four levels especially, or those first four albums especially, you know. So there's a whole depth of uh, creativity that can be put into the game if you're if you're like-minded and if you wanted to do that kind of thing. You know, it, it's, it's quite overwhelming, but at the same time it's quite off-putting when, you know, to bring up, little big planet one more time it's 
you know, you mentioned that someone managed to make a first-person shooter and they, they did, like, Wolfenstein, and you sort of see it. Mm. And you go into, like, something like Little Big Planet, and you're like, right, this time I'm going to be really creative. I'm going to understand yeah. the mechanics of how to create <laughs> something. You lay it all out. You read a few tutorials, and you start, you're like, this is really good. And then you see someone's created a whole first-person shooter, and you're like, well, I'm never going to be able to do that, so yeah. I'll uh, stop that. And you start, sure. you come into sound chips, you go, I can, I can see I could probably create a couple of good levels like this. And then I downloaded one that was... I think it was based around horror movies, mm-hmm. yeah. and it was this big mansion, and it had all the music, and it had little riffs. You so you'd hear like a bit of music. It sounded like the Halloween music, and then um, you you know you'd go through, and the, some of the design outside would be like Friday uh, the Thirteenth and stuff, and you're like, "This is incredible! <laughs> I can't yeah. do this." <laughs> so you just sort of like, well, you know, you play it and you appreciate it, but then you know, once I'd seen it, I was like, well. I can't really enjoy that for myself anymore, but I totally appreciate what other people are doing. Yeah. I found the biggest challenge when creating levels, uh, being too greedy with the notes. Mm. And yeah. you know, while you're adding them one by one, it, it sounds cool. You're like, oh, this adds like a neat little counter melody here. But before you know it, you have about 80 songs all playing on top of each other yeah. and it becomes unlistenable. Yeah. And so you do have to show quite a bit of restraint uh, when mm. creating your own, especially because any... Uh, any sample that you introduce into the game has a three screen right. radius yeah. in which yeah. it will play. And so you can use that to um, introduce new new melodies and new counter melodies and make them drop off sooner and kind of mix into each other that way. But uh, yeah, if you're just sit down um, and compose your entire song in the first screen, then uh, you're going to have a <laughs> yeah. pretty bad time overall. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and a screen is sort of, uh, harks back to the to the visualizer. It, it's what about eight down and about fourteen across in terms so, of equal yeah. squares. Mm-hmm. Um, and sort of when you exit out from out from uh, any of the four directions, essentially up, down, left, or right, it imagine a whole panel shift, um, yeah. as, as in a film cut. And then they're, they're the panels that you're actually moving along. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it, it might. You, you sort of see it sort of quickly switch level in sort of an old school platform manner. But yeah, that that's essentially all that the, the panel switching is between those levels. One thing I, th- I wish that they kind of uh, implemented into the game was a way to uh, save these levels outside of the game. I kind of wish there was like some kind of you know, MP3 exporting yeah. kind of yeah. Uh, yeah. deal there. But unfortunately, it looks like they never put... Although I guess you could technically, you can put it up on YouTube now and just rip that, but... Yeah, yeah, you it's can not use the, the PlayStation share features. Yeah, yeah. Kind of do a roundabout way of getting that music. Yeah. Yeah, especially now, you know, with the with the PS4 version. But, of course, by that point, people have been doing it for quite a while. Um, sure, yeah. Over, over a year. Um, so, yeah, that, that side of it was a little disappointing. But mm. yeah, I'm guessing that there are, you know, licensing reasons sure. and, and, and uh, whatnot yeah. to what people can create. And I, I, just to, to further on the point that, that Ryan made about, you know, sometimes you'll put too many notes in and it becomes a bit of a mess and it's very easy to do if you're doing mm-hmm. it yourself mm-hmm. um, and you need restraint. But it, there are times that I felt that even the professionally produced levels when you're adding the additional notes via collectibles did get a little bit too mm. uh, noise-filled rather than... Um, it lost the melody amongst noise. Mm. They, they were quite rare. Um, and obviously, in in terms of the Beck album, that one probably nailed it better than the others. Mm-hmm. But uh, 
it's something that when I first saw sound chips um, in in full action, when it wasn't just shown on a, someone trying to showcase it on a, on a Vita, which is never really the, the nicest yeah. way to to <laughs> be shown stuff. You know, the over the shoulder look. Um, <laughs> it it did sound like a bit of a noise fest, mm. and and it was a little bit off putting. But again, you know, like I said, the the enthusiasm that was showed, I wanted to spot that project, and thankfully, the minority of the game that's the case. That's another challenge in creating these levels is that you have to do a real balancing act in between creating good music and creating yeah. good <laughs> gameplay. Yeah. Because every object that you put into the game with a couple of exceptions has a noise associated with it. You know, all of the enemies will do a, you know, they'll make some kind of noise or they'll do some sort of beatboxing or something. All of the moving platforms have musical riffs or percussionary sounds that are associated with them. And so... I've had times when I was creating my own levels where I, I I saw a space and I knew like this would be the perfect challenge for the platforming, but it just makes my song sound like garbage. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't work with it at all. Yeah, I mean that it, it's a, it's a little bit unfortunate when you know that that happens, and it's another disappointing thing about when you're creating levels is that you are stuck with a set amount of presets elements you know preset enemies preset mm. objects and, and you can customize them to quite a large degree in terms of colors and whatnot but ultimately that art style is something that you're stuck with and it's unfortunate because when you play through the albums in the game you know you've got the uh, super brothers album which has all the super brothers art style is very unique and then you've got the beck album where it's all these wonderfully rounded colourful sort of environmental uh, imagery with chimneys like and whatnot. style and as well. Yeah, and, and it all fits because it's really unique to that album. But when it's you're creating it customised-wise, mm. it, it's they all look a bit samey and it's only how many shapes you can sort of build, but the actual art style, the way it's drawn, sort of remains the same. And, and that's another area where... I would have liked more presets from a visual side of thing. I realize you can do a lot with the audio because mm. essentially you are doing a very basic form of writing that music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in terms of art style, you are stuck with what you've got. Mm. And they did a, a release a few downloadable content packs yes. that had uh, extra, <laughs> <laughs> sure, had extra music. But I, I don't, I, at least from my memory, I don't remember any that added any more visual elements. It was just different kind of instruments and stuff, although I could be wrong about that. And, and so, yeah, it might have been nice to have a little bit more visual variety mm-hmm. because you either have to create something that feels like a little bit of a smorgasbord or you <laughs> use uh, only the art assets of one artist and then it feels right, like yeah. you're kind of creating a fan level. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Just uh, one set of, uh, of levels there. As is the case with modern games that have level builders, it, there are community portals that allow for these uh, these levels to be shared with the entire world. Uh, of course, the PlayStation brand has pushed this as something that's very important to them, especially after the uh, success, I'd like to say success, uh, maybe not numbers-wise, but uh, image-wise, of Little Big Planet kind of brought the community-level experience to the PlayStation brand. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it follows very well with sound shapes. As, we, as we've mentioned before, there are some very impressive uh, user-generated levels. And some of the very best of them have been collected in uh, 
what they call milk crates, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which is the creators of the game or sometimes outside curators will gather up some of their favorite levels or perhaps even compose a few of their own, um, either that work really nicely together or are just kind of disparate experiences that they wanted to either meaningfully link or just show off, give more publicity to. Did any of you spend any time poking around in the milk crates? Not as much as I probably should have. <laughs> I jumped in a few times, uh, especially when I know uh, Shuhei Yoshida was a massive fan and he kept uh, like his Twitter feed after uh, this game came out, he kept posting all types of uh, levels and everything, but he ended up putting together his own milk crate. And a couple of those levels were uh, levels his daughters had made, and they were like, I don't know, like 9 or 10, I guess. And they were very silly and like one-stage levels and stuff like that. But it was cool to see uh, the variation between, you know, some something like a 9-year-old could make, and it's very basic and... Hmm actually kind of terrible <laughs> and then you know going all the way to someone who put you know hours and days into their levels and um again just showing the insane variety that can be found in these kind of user-generated games you know there's always going to be a bunch of crap but there's also going to be a lot of neat stuff and being able to to highlight those and put them all together um you know there's a couple by the verge i think made a uh a uh, pretty neat um collections of uh, levels and songs together and really cool idea of highlighting uh, specific levels i think i mean it never fails to amaze me just the standards that some people some people who are obviously inherently creative mm-hmm. uh, c- can go to when it creates stuff it reminds me of when you see the paint jobs that people are able to do in the forza games yeah and, yeah you know uh, I, I can bet you i struggle to get sort of 10 squares on yeah. there if I, if I wanted <laughs> yeah. to. And then you see these people that are creating all these fantastic caricature uh-huh. art and, and stuff. It's it's incredible, really. And like you said, there are there's a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. Of course. But, and yeah. you sort of have to wade through that lot of crap to find yeah. some genuine gems in there. Mm-hmm. And, and some people will create levels that are just incredible to play. Like, like I said, the, the, the horror movie-inspired one was breathtaking on its scale because it was such a big level you, you know it, it's hard to create one good screen let alone many yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of cool to have curated lists especially in a game mm-hmm. that revolves around music it's kind of like a, a kind of like having a mixtape yeah totally in that in little big planet and other games that have had a lot of user-generated content in the past there tend to be you can sort by the the most popular mm-hmm. of the community choices. And sometimes like they'll have the media molecule picks, like sure, the developers yeah. picking out like, these are the ones that we really like. But I think the milk crate structure gives the developers a little bit more opportunity to um, the developers and whoever's creating a, a milk crate to link the games and to kind of like the way that you would make a compilation mixtape to say, like, you know what, like, these, if you play the levels in this order, if you play the songs in this mm-hmm. order, like they'll give you a certain experience that yeah. you might not have if you were to just, uh, you know, pick one out of the blue. Contrary to what we were saying earlier, uh, that Sound Shapes is, I don't want to be superiorist about this, but I'd call it an easier game yeah. on the spectrum totally. of games. It's not very punishing uh, until you jump into Death Mode, <laughs> yeah. uh, which is a a little icon which you could uh, you could be forgiven for not even noticing in the corner of each uh, of each world of each album's uh, level select screen. And it's a little little red skull that that tells you you should press L one now, and I'll show you what real pain is. <laughs> 
And for each level, they have a <laughs> a death mode um, single screen challenge, uh, which is generally you know collect this many notes mm. in oh like a minute or thirty seconds or something while not dying while dodging obstacles and uh, platforming. And I've I've never been able to even get close to completing even one. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I I I'll be honest. I I'm I'm not a fan of this mode yeah, at all. Me either. I yeah. I I think it really clashes with mm-hmm. the mission statement of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, if this was in like Super Meat Boy or Shovel Knight or something like that. That would make more sense to me, but yeah. this game is so experiential. It's all about soaking in the art and the music yeah. and all of that stuff. And then suddenly there's this mode that forces you to ignore all of that yeah. just so you can focus <laughs> yeah. on completing uh, these very difficult objectives. And yeah, I just it, it it's a weird choice to me to include in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it for me I totally agree. It just it doesn't fit the game in any way. But what I really especially didn't like about it was how every time uh you load up one of the levels, they randomize where uh the notes were. Mm-hmm. And that that to me just kind of felt like they just they recognized how easy the game was and they were like, well, we got to throw something in there so, so that people won't, you know, think the entire game is just a, a sweep, you know, a clean sweep. So, um it just it just felt like they threw in this super hard random mode and and didn't really put too much effort into it um and yeah i just, i i finished them for the trophies um but i didn't actually enjoy getting those trophies in any way so i don't know why i did that but <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm in a similar sort of position i i too finished them uh, for for the trophies and i've stated before i'm not a big fan of objectives where you're meant to collect something mm-hmm. and yeah it's randomly placed or procedurally generated. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel at that point it becomes unfair and then yeah, an totally. element of luck comes into it rather than mm-hmm. skill mm-hmm. because you just need that one run. And there are some runs on these death mode levels that are just impossible in that time limit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You need them to be randomly in an order where they can be collected in the yeah, time yeah. required. And showcases the flaws of of the game it's not a tight platform right it's it's you know it's passable but it's not pin sharp you know you play something like super meat boy and everything is so precise and on the money that Mm -hmm. you can understand these brutally difficult levels because you are always in 100 percent control right and in sound chips that's never the case it's it's passable, you know. It it it's solid. The mechanics are solid enough, but it's you know it it's like comparing is low budget rogue warrior style first person shooter to <laughs> a high budget AAA that's got all this money. That's you know that's yeah. Battlefield or Call of Duty. It it just does not feel that standard when you when you're playing it at, at essentially a high level, which is you know there's been a hard difficulty that is the case. Mm-hmm. So that's where. Trying to put a mode in that's tough is not good because then it becomes a. It sort of starts to go into the category of trying to be a proper platformer yeah, or a yeah. difficult platformer, right. and then you've got games like I said before, Spelunky, Super Meat Boy, you know, um, Shovel Knight's another. <laughs> there's no shame. Uh, there's no shortage. Sorry, of games before and after that have done it much better than Sound Shapes yeah. did. 
I, I think it's it, it's interesting that you you compare it to uh, stuff like Spelunky and and Super Meat Boy and all of that because and I I mean I did it as well but ultimately like this is a completely different kind of game despite it having platforming you you made the comparison between like Rogue Warrior and a a proper slick like first person shooter for me it's just more like. Um, Something like uh, Dear Esther suddenly having like a deathmatch mode, <laughs> yeah. like it, yeah. it's it's just it's 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 fine that um, the platforming yeah. is kind of you know middle of the road because mm-hmm. it's not trying to be one of those games throughout you know throughout throughout the main game. It's just trying to be this exper- experiential thing like Dear Esther is. So mm-hmm. you introduce like you know. Uh, dear Esther versus uh, Lester, or what have you, in, <laughs> at, towards the end of this game, and it doesn't make any sense. Like, yeah. it, it just, it's, yeah, like I said before, it just, it clashes so much with the vision of the game mm-hmm. that, uh, yeah, it ends up highlighting where it is flawed, which otherwise you would have been perfectly willing to forgive if it didn't sure. have this mode. You know, I don't like to grade a, da- a game down for having additional content that I didn't mm, uh, mm-hmm. didn't really mesh well with. Uh, like you find that in the newest Smash Bros. games had a couple modes that it, it could have done without that I feel are, uh, you know, really broken, but they didn't make me value what was there, uh, you know, essentially a full game outside yeah. of those modes any less. Yeah. You know, I, I'm very happy just ignoring the death <laughs> mode. And yeah. I think if there's anybody out there who likes it, then, you know, good job. I'm, I'm glad sure. that they exist. But, uh, you know, they're just, they're not for me. And I, I think that certain players who feel pressured to complete them because of trophy challenges or because uh, they have to 100% everything, like, hey, I, I could see them kind of like tripping up on that. Mm-hmm. But just yeah. the fact that there's extra content that I don't really care for i'm not really going to hold that against the game yeah. itself sure i mean I, th- I think that's a good point is is in relation to trophies because trophies play a huge part in sound shapes and play a huge part in how many copies it's sold because mm-hmm. each version of the game offers an entire platinum they're yeah. not shared there's a lot of dlc for more trophies those trophies are silver trophies mm-hmm. so a, a lot of it is geared towards that and in terms of the the death mode it's pretty much 50 percent of the yeah. trophies are death mode and then mm. it well 48% of death mode 48% of beat school and then the other is one gold trophy for completing every level in the main in the primary purpose of the title which was probably a bit of an imbalance in in mm. general in terms of trophy distribution sure, yeah. so if anyone wants to play it for trophies death mode is a huge part of this game for anyone who mm. wants to play it for the joy of the game it it's completely ignorable
I thought it'd be interesting to talk about each uh, each world, each album. I, I think I, I kind of refer to them as albums because that's how they're presented oh, in the sure. menus. Yeah. Um, and they are just collections of levels that are uh, composed by one artist and uh, drawn up uh, using the graphical styles of another artist. So there will be anywhere in between like three and six maybe levels in each album mm-hmm. uh, they play very similarly to one another uh, for the most part there are a few instances where the gameplay does take a turn in one direction mm-hmm. or the other but uh they look and sound so differently from one another that they're almost like jumping into uh like an episodic sequel like mm-hmm. it, it feels almost like a completely different game moving from the end of Hello World to the beginning of Corporeal. Um, mm-hmm. And so I thought it'd be interesting to kind of take them each individually and kind of reflect on what we thought of uh, of each one on its own. Um, you know, uh, separate from the tutorial level, which uh, you are, um, I-, I think, forced to play through the first time that you booted up, yeah. which yeah. is uh, just maybe two or three levels. Not a lot worth talking about there, but um, the first proper world is Hello World, the music is by I Am Robot and Proud, which is uh, the in-house band. And the graphics were done by Vic Wynn, who's a member of Cappy, who did a lot of the pixel art for Super Time Force, also known as Vixels, uh, a Toronto-based pixel artist. And from what I can uh, see from his website and from his work on Super Time Force, he's a very talented pixel artist, yeah. Yeah. which is interesting because this level is not it's in not, a pixelized yeah. style at all. It's very... <laughs> yeah. uh, very vectorized. It could not be. It could not be more different from Super Time Force, visually. Um, <laughs> right. Which, which Super Time Force is a very pretty game in its own right, but this is so so different from that. Yeah. Uh, more of like the Patapon style, or mm-hmm. uh, like the silhouetted type levels, like a um, insanely twisted Shadow Planet. Uh, mm. It's kind of a trend in games for a while to have these uh, very minimalist vectorized graphics, yeah. and it's kind of I, I view cool. these levels as the ones that kind of define the look of sound shapes in my mind and Mm -hmm. probably the ones that they did for a lot of the promotional materials. The music is kind of has like a real chill electronica blend Mm -hmm. led by uh, some really kind of fluttery banjo uh, Mm -hmm. riffs, (laughs) which I find to be a lot of fun. What do you guys think of the music? I I found it very pleasant, but I didn't Mm. find it as memorable as some of the music that's going to come up later. Um, it's definitely music that I enjoy while playing, but it just didn't stay with me outside of the game in the same way that uh, mm. Dead Mouse's and Beck's music did. Mm. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely spot on. It's you know, uh, if someone played me a sample, I'd be like, oh yeah, that, yeah, that sound shapes. But if someone said, right, hum the tune from you know the the second level of Hello World, I'd be, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> it's true. I don't know. Like, I think that the the banjo samples, especially, uh, really stick in my mind, and they're yeah. kind of the first thing yeah. I think of when I think of sound shapes. The dun 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 dun. dun yep. All the... <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree with uh, Ryan there. Whenever I pop on sound shapes, I always play the first level, uh, just because I I love that song and it's such a uh, that one uh, for me. That whole song and level in general are just a very pleasing way to start you start off your journey through sound shapes as corny as that is you know it's, it's a super easy level and uh the music's like just very easy on the ears um mm-hmm. yeah that's I, I really like that opening level but yeah i, I can't really re- uh, recall most of the the rest of the that 
album but that first level i always i always play it the first time i pop it on so that's true i have a much better memory for the first level than i do for any of the latter two i I just went back to the second level actually (laughs) recently Mm. in preparation for the show and i had no memory of it at all but it was like (laughs) i was playing it for the very first time (laughs) which uh hey cool you know i'd love to have more of those (laughs) experiences for the first time again but uh yeah this first level uh, this first world has a lot of uh, kind of floral elements uh, mm-hmm. there's vines and flowers that make noises kind of like the harps being strummed or like mm-hmm. bells being rung which is very pleasant and nice uh it's kind of it just looks like a like a nice sunny day outdoors yeah. and there's lots <laughs> of like kind of funny looking the enemies are you know, almost like something out of adventure time and the <laughs> some of the platforms are like little have little dog faces on them i don't know it's just it's a very cute and pleasant yeah. world which is totally turned on its head on the uh jim guthrie album <laughs> yeah i am glad that they started with this album because jim guthrie's album as much as i love that album i, I it's not a good first impression for the, the pleasant little music <laughs> mm. game you're making so yeah. really horrible business world like where everything's gray and miserable yeah yeah it, it's a I, I mean i sound like i'm dissing that album i love that album oh, but great. like yeah. i i think you needed the pleasant kind of fluffy intro of hello mm. world to kind of mm. you know slip you into this world before they start really experimenting with the yeah. visual style yeah, I mean, it's the Jim Guthrie album is the one that it sort of brings you down a bit, doesn't it? And then obviously mm. you lift it back up later on. But it, it's that horrible nightmare scenario, you know, stuck in the work office, your horrible cubicle, and <laughs> your bosses are working on you, and you're expected to just work constantly, no breaks. It's that sort of imagery. It, it's really, really pretty from an artistic point of view. Mm. Um, it's art wise, it's probably my most memorable one mm-hmm. um it, it it's i absolutely adore it i adored super brothers as, as a game visually as well so it was no surprise it was the one i was the probably i was super excited to play because there was that much potential for it to work in a game like this and it's mm. it's one of those cool little indie crossovers that, that everyone likes to see as well right. so it was um yeah it, it's it's bold but you certainly could not have started the game with it yeah <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, Corporeal. Uh, the music by this uh, was by Jim Guthrie, as we've mentioned, and the graphics are by Super Brothers, the same collaboration who created Sword and Sorcery EP. And so this was an intentional callback, 100%, mm-hmm. I'm sure of it, yeah. uh, to that game. There were even a couple of uh, Sword and Sorcery characters that make an appearance in here, the dancing goat man with a flute at the end. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't play enough Sword and Sorcery to really grasp his importance but uh he made an appearance at the end of corporeal (laughs) but yeah it is neat to go from the uh kind of like childlike uh innocence of just playing outside with hello world to (laughs) like you've finally grown up you have that job (laughs) you're stuck in the office now and it, it starts off as a very it's a little silly in that you know it's very mechanical it's very uh everybody is identical yeah in this office but uh, it, it starts to morph into more and more of a nightmare scenario <laughs> yeah. um, in a really interesting way. And the levels, I think, are named like like Purgatory and Inferno yeah. <laughs> or something that kind of evokes that hellish imagery. But you start to see more and more of a kind of like fire and brimstone type imagery, but with computers and with uh, mm-hmm. maps and desks and globes and the things you would associate with, uh, with an office scenario. 
as the music gets darker as well. Yeah. Yeah. That third level for me, especially is the one that, um, sticks out because, uh, that one, it starts off immediately with you. Uh, you come out of the elevator as you do at the beginning of each of these levels, you go into mm. an elevator uh, and you come out of the elevator and you immediately just start falling all the way down. And mm. it's just kind of like a further descent into, you know, corporate hell, I guess is basically what they're going <laughs> for here. And there's, yeah, as you said, there's like little instances of fire that, um, serve as the like bass drum, the kind of just boom, 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 that kind of like heavy, you know, crushing you kind of <laughs> sounds. That's very cool. That sounds really neat. It's yeah. uh, especially with nice speakers, like that really mm-hmm. pounds out. Yeah. yeah. It's like I imagined in, um, you know, if you're watching in a cartoon, someone who's got this job and they've got that headache and yeah. they're just yeah. full of hate for yeah. the job. And it's like, boom, boom, yeah. boom. Uh, so it's my everyday life. So that's cool. Uh, there are a few instances where you have to scare a cat into triggering something (laughs) for you it's a it's kind of amusing i view this one as being a very um kind of a psychological journey as you can tell like at the beginning it's a very repressive atmosphere uh oppressive uh and it, it starts unraveling at the you know, almost at the atomic level, like things are just falling apart around you in a way that is unnatural and mm. uh, very perceptive of the, I don't know, whatever kind of main character this experience is embodying. Mm-hmm. And uh, it ends with a little like, I don't know, you're in the forest with this strange dancing goat man. <laughs> and uh, it almost feels like whatever main character we've been playing or observing the experiences of this whole time has finally snapped and it's just gone crazy or has quit their job and has uh, retreated to a nature sanctuary, perhaps a nicer way to look at it. But it it just kind of feels like it's out of nowhere, which I kind of, I kind of love that ending. I I, I choose to believe that this album is a prequel to Sword and Sorcery. We're getting the origin (laughs) story of the crazy goat man. Um, Yeah, no, it was it was it was nice to have that little uh, reference at the end. But I I this is uh, alongside the Dead Mouse and the Beck album. This is one of my favorites in this game, just because. of the way that the the art style and the music really mesh together mm, exceedingly yeah. well, yeah. and just also the fact that uh, they're essentially using the same art style as Sword of <laughs> sure. Sorcery, yeah. and yeah. I admire the balls of doing that. But also the fact that it, they they still did something different with it. They took that mm, yeah. like that framework, that kind of um, that concept of these little stick figure kind of people, but then you know still managed to do something radically different with it. And yeah. I really admire that, that they, they could, you know, they could get more out of a, an idea that they've already used before. Um, yeah, just really impressed with this uh, album. I like being told a story. Mm. I like being told a story in a game with no story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's something um, I've mentioned before and I mentioned on the, the Sand Hill 4 um, podcast is that any world you're in, if I can be told a story whilst I'm in it, mm-hmm. I'll appreciate mm-hmm. it. And and you know, there's there's not a lick of uh, written word or spoken word to you about the story, and yet you sort of understand that there's a story going on in in the corporeal album um, from its visual style, which would the one we've mentioned the the sort of the, the horrible job that you know. 
the the non-ending sort of constantly filling in paperwork and memos and stuff. Yeah, it, it it's it's so wonderful for so many reasons. Um, that album, it it it's the nailed the art style. It does arc really nicely, which is something that I could uh, compliment yeah. a lot of these albums on. Bex feels a little scattered. They feel kind of like individual paintings yes. that are meant to be taken on their own. But for the most part, you know, Hello World goes through the same kind of, it gets a little darker and it gets a little lighter at the end. Uh, and so, yeah, even though there is no characters, there's no, uh, you know, real like written narrative, it it does still have an arc and yeah. it does still give it that that weight which is uh which is cool following up corporeal uh we have another level that was done by i am robot and proud uh part of queasy games uh called beyonder the graphics for this one were done by colin manser who has uh done a couple of smaller games he's did he did one called night and damsel did the art for it and also shadow tale he is also a toronto based individual which you'll you'll see a lot of that in this game yeah, you know, for me, Beyonder is probably my least favorite. Yeah, uh, I just here. find it to be um, the challenges just a little bit more frustrating and a little bit more mm-hmm. kind of timing based than the rest. Uh, the graphics a little less interesting to look at in music, a little less interesting than the rest and a little bit less memorable. But um, it, I, I do still like it. Just it probably just doesn't have as great of a grip on me as the others do. I mean, I'll I'll be honest. Yeah, I'll be honest. I barely remember this album, <laughs> and I, I had to play uh, some of the levels of this in preparation for the podcast just to just to remind myself uh, of this album. Mm. Yeah, it, it it for me it didn't do anything wrong. It just it's sure. it's only crime yeah. is mediocrity, really, mm. um, and unfortunately, it's surrounded by. A lot of great music and a lot of great art and it kind yeah. of just it, it's easy to forget about it mm. it's it's pure filler um yeah. it, it feels like filler everything about it nothing feels particularly special about it um especially compared to you know corporeal and you know the the, the dead mouse stuff and, and and the beck stuff obviously um mm. which you know we'll go on to last but i'm sure anyone who's paid any attention to sound chips uh, in the last few years has heard people mention the Beck stuff. So yeah. Beyonder, it's completely forgettable. Yeah. Um, it could as well have not been in the game. It wouldn't have taken away from it. Yeah, and it, and it also this level or this album um, introduces the, uh, I guess they're vehicles. I don't, I'm not sure right, what other right. way to put them. Um, the little spaceships that you fly around in. And I really didn't like uh, controlling those, especially because you have to, you basically end up having to jump out of them anyway. Um, when you get to the just the far right of the stage, and it's yeah, yeah, everything from the controls to the look and sound, it's just kind of I always skip this one. Yeah, I, I think there are a few interesting challenges, especially with the uh, with the UFO um, mm. that you're flying around. Uh, I, I seem to remember a room where you have to kind of use the the boost to yeah. navigate your way through a crisscrossing uh, room full of laser beams that mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. a little frustrating but enjoyable overall sure. and i do really like the um there are little like crane hands that you can jump mm-hmm. into mm-hmm. and ride all the way up and they have like a really satisfying like a ticka 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 yeah. <laughs> ticka with the with the beat that uh-huh. uh, sounds really nice but other than that yeah not not a lot really comes to mind with uh, beyonder but anyways, we uh, we moved straight into Decade, 
which is probably what a lot of people were uh, really excited about going into Sound Shapes. This is the one with the music by Dead Mouse and the graphics by uh, Pixel Jam, who has done a few uh, few games, uh, mostly for Adult Swim games. Mm-hmm. Um, they they put out Dino Run, probably most famously. Uh, but yeah, if you look through their backlog, they have a, a lot of experience doing stuff that's especially like a um, a very retro. Uh, I don't even want to call it eight bit. Just like a pixel yeah, style, like, like a, almost like a, a Commodore style right, graphics. Yeah, yeah big surprise for me. Uh, this album, um, as I said, I I mean I'd heard of Dead Mouse, but I I never really uh, gave him a chance uh, to listen to. But um, I ended up really digging this album um mostly for the music i mean i like the visuals too they're very uh, this out al- this album visually is very in your face in terms of colors but the music was uh just really good dance music actually for me <laughs> so ended up being a big surprise i think the thing that impressed me most about this album was the way the music uh kind of um was integrated with the enemies in this whole album just there are several really memorable like there's the there's the uh like the the robot in the middle of the screen that will shoot lasers at Mm. you depending Mm. on where you are right uh, uh where you are on the on the screen and just having that be in sync with the music and all perfectly in time and just and yeah, again, I feel like I'm repeating myself here, but the art and the music are so in sync with each other mm-hmm. here that um, yeah, it's just really mem- uh, mesmerizing. This is the scariest of all of the um, the <laughs> albums for me, just because the enemies are so threatening in a way that mm-hmm. they haven't been. Uh, Corporeal's more kind of depressing and kind yeah, of yeah. Uh, downbeat, whereas this feels very. It's very upbeat, but it's quite aggressive and, and, right. and violent at points. Uh, there are um, later, you know, uh, sections where it's a bit more peaceful and a bit more uh, uh, contemplative. But my overall impression of this was a very uh, extreme. Like, I really love the music. I really love the art de- uh, art design. But this was the most tense uh, I felt uh, during this game. Yeah, I mean, if any of the levels were difficult, it would be in these ones. Yeah, these yeah. these were the, the the challenge of all the levels, uh, which was never the game's main intent, at least mm-hmm. outside of, you know, uh, Helmut. But um, I was excited for this, as I mentioned. I was I, I like Dead Mouse. I like mm-hmm. his music. I really enjoyed what they managed to do in DJ Hero Two with his tracks, mm. um, and I was expecting something similar, and it was very different in Sound Chips and. For good or bad, it disappointed me. Other people, it will have been better for them. Uh, it's all down to personal taste, as all things are with art and as all things are with music. And unfortunately for this, it just didn't resonate with me in the way that I hoped it would. Mm. But I understand why other people would like it. I, I didn't like the art style either, which was probably the biggest shame is that I didn't dislike the music. I just didn't like it as much as I expected to. Mm. I didn't feel like the dead mouse that I've listened to in the past and mm. the art style I did not enjoy. So it was it was a mix of of two things, really. Uh, a little bit disappointing. I feel like I have to agree with Carl that I, I'm going to have to be a little bit more negative on this one and that the art style 
uh, it was certainly serviceable. I, I appreciated the bright colors, but um, a lot of it was very dark and kind of put against a black background. Yeah. Uh, and it, it kind of lended to that um, very intimidating nature of the gameplay challenge that you'd come up against. Gameplay-wise, I think there were a few rooms that were a little di- more difficult than I would have preferred them to be, uh, especially ones where you are trying to navigate, picking up notes that are around those uh, extending neck robots that shoot lasers at you mm. when you're trying to bounce on platforms at the same time. And the music wasn't as memorable as uh, some of the other ones for me personally. Um, also, a little bit of a gripe with the art style is that a lot of it seemed to be a uh, little like hero worshipy of dead mouse like his his logo <laughs> yeah, his helmet yeah. was everywhere in the levels yeah. which is kind of fun it's a little cheeky but uh i don't know for someone who wasn't hugely like a dead mouse fan beforehand it felt a little bit like oh now i'm in your world all right, right. uh cool well i'll i'll see myself out then <laughs> It has some interesting challenges. It didn't add a lot to the experience for me, but um, from what I've heard from a lot of other people, that it, it seems to be among their favorites, and so mm-hmm. I'm uh, uh, happy it's there. The last album to come with the game when it launched was Cities, the music this time by Beck, and the graphics by Pyramid Attack, who is an animation studio, also in Toronto, who has done animation both two-dimensional and three-dimensional, because most famously, they prepared animations for Rush's stage show. Uh, they did a trailer for Hohokam. Uh, they've done cutscenes for the original Guitar Hero, back when that was still in Harmonix's hands. And they've done many other projects. They seem to be a very talented studio from you know their website. Yeah, this, this is an interesting set of levels. These ones, like I've said before, really stand on their own. They don't arc as nicely as the others, but they... Mm-hmm. Yeah. all offer something very different from the the first level in which you are uh, navigating kind of a you know, crumbling city, jumping in between wrecking balls and uh, trying to navigate away from bombs that are exploding. Kind of feels a little bit like almost social commentary-ish, mm. but uh, in the fun way that like a music video would be to where sure, it yeah. just wants to throw the imagery up there and doesn't really want to commit to a message. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it, it was it was very uh, it was very interesting. Um, what do you think of that first level? I I love uh, the first level of Beck's album. In fact, it's it's my favorite level in this game. Mm. Um, I I just I I found it really. The first time I played this level, I actually had to stop playing the game for a couple <laughs> of seconds because I, I it really was one of those kind of spiritual experience for me <laughs> almost like I, I uh-huh. that sounds like such an overblown statement but like it, it, i i get this very this doesn't happen to me often uh, like I, I i talk about sword and sorcery being one example of that the the uh the is it then what are they called they're not called the triforce pieces what are they called uh the um <laughs> Uh, the, whatever they're called, the the Triforce equivalents in uh, <laughs> sure. in Sword of Sorcery, the boss battles with those uh, were hmm. were kind of like the spine tingling moment, mm. and and also uh, several levels from Res kind of did that for me as well. This this level for me is that in this game, like uh, just everything in this level is coming together perfectly. Just mm. the music and the art and and and. Even 
even the kind of platforming, which I criticized before, but here, um, just the way that the platforms kind of, uh, the platforms that go move together, um, yeah. break together, um, hurt together, and just how that's perfectly in time with the music, but yeah. also feeds into the interactivity of the game. Right. That's yeah. so brilliant. Um, <laughs> just, I, I'm just going to be gushing about this level uh, for about half an hour, so I'm going to stop. But I, 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 when I talk about loving sound shapes, this is the first level I think of because I think mm. it just perfectly conveys everything this game was uh, trying to set out to achieve. Yeah, I mean, when I was getting into sound shapes, I because I, I originally bought it and I didn't get on with it, and I went back to it a month later, and as I was going through it, I was like, well, I don't understand why so many other people are so full of praise for this for this title. And I, I got through, and then I got through the, to the Dead Mouse ones. I was like, well, they're a bit underwhelmed to what I was expecting, but here we go with Beck. <laughs> and then the level started up, and I thought, this looks really cool. This is quite pretty. And then, like Josh said, you got the platforms moving with the lyrics, and you're like, that's clever. And then you complete the level, and... I, again, like Josh said, just I sort of stopped playing. It was a bit, well, that was a bit brilliant. <laughs> so that, that took me by surprise. And it sort of keeps that level of consistency throughout the whole album with mm. very clever um, introduction of art assets, yeah. which were not in the other levels to that degree. And mm. it, yeah, just this album. Was they could not have ended the game on on a mm. you know I don't want to say note because that's a terrible point <laughs> but they couldn't have ended it in a better way yeah. um, because it's just the perfect thing to remember that game by and and it was I played through the the Beck album and I was like okay this is why people are recommending mm-hmm. it and I'm going to go and recommend it <laughs> and I took to Twitter and I was like yeah people should really be playing sound shapes because <laughs> it's worth it for the uh, for the Beck stuff. Yeah, my only complaint about this album is that there's only three songs. Um, yeah. yeah. And I guess that's like, you know, that's probably the best complaint you could have. Um, my favorite track is actually the last one, uh, The Spiral Staircase, just because the, the melodies in that um, track are, are gorgeous. Um, not, not, in, I would say the second track's probably my least favorite. Um, but man, yeah, it's, I just wish there was more. And I guess that's, you know, that's a good thing. Yeah, I always keep them wanting more. It's, yeah. it's, I just love the animation yeah. of the way stuff moves mm-hmm. to, you know, when you get the little step beats mm. um, on, on the sort of half notes and stuff sort of speeds up and then slows down again with the melody. And it's just, as with any good game um, that has like combat, the, you always end up feeling a rhythm to it, whether mm. it's, you know, regardless of what it is, whether it's Demon Souls or anything like that, there's a rhythm to everything you do. Mm. And this game brings that rhythm to you. Yeah. Um, and matches all its assets with it, and you merely just play through it. Because, like we said, there's no real challenge to it. There's no punishment. So you yeah. actually just get to enjoy it, mm. um, which, you know, normally you appreciate it in these other games, but the challenge of it never really lets you enjoy it until it's over. Mm-hmm. Sound Ships um, on the, the Cities album actually lets you enjoy it as you're doing mm. it, which is mm. really quite refreshing um, and, and so, so memorable. I always thought it was really clever in the first Beck level that the... 
wrecking ball enemies just by the nature of how it swings you have to dodge the same obstacle like three or four mm. times mm -hmm. and that's always uh it's always really clever when games are able to make challenges that all kind of revolve around the same same set pieces happening and moving and anyways the second beck level i think is my favorite level in the entire game uh touch the people yep. just because it's so like it's absolutely bonkers yeah visually it's crazy yeah. off the wall like it, it feels like uh you know jumping into wonderland like a uh, alice mm -hmm. in wonderland style you spend a little bit of time platforming around kind of interesting like diamonds and triangles and very brightly colored and really odd colored shapes and you get light blues and purples and pinks and then you uh you go down a pipe and emerge in this wacky weird crazy world where you're you can float through space and it's playing this like a uh, really happy like almost circus like tune that kind of taunts you with how energetic and how excited this music is and um you come up on these these awful enemies that that spray bugs everywhere <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know just everything about the level this really captures my imagination and i love the music i love the timbaland sounding voices that mm. like, everything layers really nicely and i think that it's a uh, a very memorable experience for me and one that always makes me laugh every time I play it. So I had said earlier in the show that there had been some DLC that was primarily music packs, that they didn't really add anything visual, but I was completely mistaken coming, uh, thinking back to it, that there were a couple of downloadable content levels, uh, mm. a complete separate album that were uh, created to showcase uh, some new assets that were done in uh, kind of a cyberpunk style and in kind of a heavy metal style and i don't remember whether this was paid dlc or whether it was free did any of you uh not pay for it and not have it or uh, i think it, it was free paid for, for okay I think so. i've paid for a lot of my dlc for okay, this game okay well regardless i i think that personally for me it was more than worth it even if you just played the two levels that come mm. with that pack mm. because they are uh for me and again above and beyond like some of the best levels in the game and for both of these uh the music is done by i am robot and proud part of queasy games and the graphics are just credited to queasy games i'm not sure if uh if jonathan created the graphics himself or if he and uh and i am robot had done those together or whether they brought in somebody from the outside and mm. just credited them as part of the studio but the first level is kind of a dubstep cyberpunk level where you get to ride around a little bit of a like a tron bike yeah. type thing which is super <laughs> yeah, fun yeah. uh you hold l1 or r1 to flip your bike all around and you can do backflips off the jumps and it's just a lot of fun just uh um going off ramps and going around loops and uh very kinetic and very fast just great and then the second level is uh kind of like a death metal type of uh it's mm. all very like hellfire and skulls and monsters <laughs> and you get to ride around in a skull car which makes this <laughs> real guttural like death metal howl as you accelerate which is a lot of fun it's a little bit trickier to use than the dubstep bike as i'll call mm. it um in that if you land upside down then the car explodes and you have to start at the next checkpoint so you really do have to be careful to land on your wheels but it, it adds some interesting challenges and i think that 
the level sounds great. Like the guitar samples that they got mm-hmm. are just really crunchy, really heavy, especially when overlaid with that death metal growl. It, uh, I don't know. I, I really like this level as a, a big metal head myself. <laughs> I, I think it scratches all the right places. What, what do you think about these two levels? I'm going to show my naivety here. <laughs> say that I bought it and like with the other DLCs, I did the beat school for the trophies and didn't even realize that it had its own levels <laughs> oh, to man, play. Yeah. Um, so I, I, had, I haven't actually played the uh, the DLC as it was probably intended to be played. Mm. Well, surprise, you got some good stuff to go back to. <laughs> yeah, that, that's 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 on me. It was just a case that so many of the others only came with beat school right. things and it was yeah, starting right. to annoy me when you look at your profile and you've got the platinum, but the number next to it is it's like 88%. <laughs> or, yeah, it's, it's not at 100%. So it's like, okay, I'll buy the next DLC and I'll do the beat school. And I just didn't realize that this had levels, which is a shame. Yeah, I don't, I don't really have much more to add to what you said, Ryan. It's just to say... Uh... It's it's a lot of fun, and well, I guess the only thing I would add is again, like I said with the Beck thing, it's just not enough. I just wish there was more. Uh, but that Tron bike was, yeah, super fun to play with. These do even more than the main game, which we talked about earlier, can be seen as a way of enticing you to spend some time with the editor. Yeah, uh, these levels are pretty straightforward, just kind of like trailers for the material that you can make. They're not meant to tell stories or Mm. to be like a real holistic experience. And, you know, even they feel so uh, disparate from one another, even. It does feel like they're just there to uh, just kind of entice you to play with these tools and these new sounds Mm -hmm. and new instruments and uh, vehicles. As somebody with a bit of a metal past as well, uh, how do you like that skull level? Whatever oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, as you said, the guitar sounds uh, super crunchy. And yeah, mm. it's just a really good, really good. Uh, and especially as a, um, as a as a sound shapes version of metal, I think it fits really well. Because <laughs> if they just put like, you know, the kind of stuff that we listen to, the metal, you know, it, it would have totally not gone well at all with uh, the overall theme of the game but yeah the, their their take on metal was actually pretty fun and i think it is nice that uh, a lot of people view metal as being very overpowering and sure, like you yeah. jump into it and you don't even know where to start listening to it right and it just kind of sounds like a cacophonous mess whereas <laughs> yeah. uh, just by the nature of sound shapes one of the things i really like about it is that uh, you're collecting individual samples as you go mm-hmm. and so you really get to hear the progression of yeah every riff building on top of each, on one another and you get to know you know every little piece of the music yeah. and see how it fits together and so it, it can kind of teach you how to listen a little <laughs> yeah. bit since this is paid dlc mm-hmm. apparently i think i think yeah and the fact that this launched i think pretty considerably after launch yeah. uh, after yeah. launch of the game and so a yeah. lot of people who just go through, especially a short game like this, that you could complete in an evening if you yeah, really totally. wanted to, uh, they might have deleted it off their system. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it might just be sheerly because I love replaying the game so much that I even noticed it was there in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's probably a lot of people who haven't played it. And I would say uh, if you like sound shapes, you're probably going to like these other levels as well. Give them a look. Uh, they're worth a couple dollars or whatever it is. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing to opinion. say about um, the paid DLC is that it was all, I, I, in my opinion, very fairly priced. You know, I think they were like a dollar mm, or, or yeah. two bucks maybe at most. Yeah. 
so yeah they're very cheap even if you're purely buying them for the trophies right, yeah. you never feel like you're paying too much out of pocket yeah and they've supported it with quite a lot of deals sure, yeah, and yeah. it's about eight eight or nine separate packs really? um and whilst they don't all add stuff um in the case none of them have ever been a case of you know i don't think you're ever spending 50 percent of the total cost of the game mm-hmm. On DLC, which which is pretty cool. Um, on on one individual piece, obviously mm-hmm. combined, it probably adds up. In in a day and age where DLCs are so often overpriced, yeah. Sound Shapes is arguably underpriced. <laughs> um, I would probably have paid more. All right, so now you've heard what we think of the game. Let's hop back into the community and see what our uh, Ken and Lorenz listeners have said to us about Sound Shapes. And kind of not what I was expecting. We didn't get a lot of correspondence on this one, which, as with a lot of these um, Santa Monica Studio downloadable titles, I thought at least were kind of like almost ubiquitous PlayStation experiences from mm. who owned the consoles, especially because, you know, Sound Shapes has come to three of the major PlayStation consoles. I don't remember whether it's ever been on PlayStation Plus, but it's it has been discounted at points in the past. But yeah. um you know, I might be wrong entirely. Like, I, uh, this could be more of a niche title than I thought it was. But, um, you know, whatever the reasons, we're very happy for the correspondences that we've received, both from our community at the Canon Rinse Forum. That's at canonrinse.com slash forum. Or we had one person email us at podcast at canonrinse.com. If you ever have anything to contribute into the future, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the games. So it's not just uh, not just us on the panel, but uh, we like to get as many opinions as possible. Anyways, uh, Josh, would you mind reading what uh, Ben McSkelly emailed to us? Okay, uh, Ben McSkelly says, I've never been a completionist, picking up all the trinkets, collectibles, and games. However, Sound Shapes is an exception. Making the collectibles notes in the score is one of the most engaging mechanics I've ever come across. I never wanted to miss one because I'd miss its contribution. The platforming is maybe not too hard, but the game is about discovery, not challenge. Discovering how the music builds together and fits in with each level's aesthetic. It is really joyful. My non-gaming flatmates happily watched me play it, saying it was cool. Not many games can achieve that. Finally, kudos to Sony and Queasy Games for including free DLC and the excellent community packs. Kept me coming back to the game and remembering how good it is. It's just a shame more people didn't play it. And then a little bit of a uh, contribution, actually, over a Twitter conversation from Brad Galloway from Game Critics, who has been on our podcast before. He says, I like the concept, but the gameplay didn't mesh well with the platforming for me. Lost interest quickly. I felt like the music didn't really have much of an effect on the platforming, and it didn't click with me at all. Which, uh, yeah, fair enough. You know, a lot of music games... Uh, you think back like Dance Dance Revolution, Rock Band, Parappa the Rapper, even something like Rez is very dependent upon mentally counting the beats in your head and timing your player actions very specifically. Whereas uh, Sound Shapes probably made it a little bit easier to somebody who does have a good like four count in their mind, but it's more of more of a music visualizer, like we've said before, than it is like a proper like rhythm action game. All right, and let's uh, move over to our Twitter, where we had one three-word review for this one. 
three word reviews we request from our community on the day of recording. Those are tweeted to at Canaan Rinse. You know, fair enough. It's the morning after Valentine's Day. Maybe people are doing other things. That's entirely a possibility. But we had one. Uh, so if, uh, if Carl, you'd like to read that. Tatsun said, Woodbye soundtrack. It's very true. It's unusual that they never released the music on its own. We talked a little bit about this in the uh, green room before recording, but there's some music that I'd like to listen to on its own. But, uh, you know, just by nature of the fact that it was recorded as samples to be progressively collected as you go. Other than Jim Guthrie, who released Corporeal as an album, it seems like the music from Sound Shapes is a little elusive outside of the game itself. So let's move on to our own summaries. This is where we would talk about whether or not we'd recommend the game and just kind of our general thoughts on the Sound Shapes experience. So, Carl, do you want to start us off with this one? Yeah, Sound Shapes is an interesting one because it was a game I was really excited for. I was sort of caught up in the pre-release hype. Um, I enjoy any game that tries to implement music in an interesting way, and I got it, and I purchased it for the Vita because I wanted something to play. I remember distinctly it was the day that we were driving a few hours to go and collect my dog, then then puppy, um, from from the breeder. And it was quite a long journey, so I thought, well, that would be ideal to play. And I got maybe half an hour in, and I just wasn't enjoying it. The game was making me feel sick in the car. And <laughs> for loads of different reasons, it put me off. And then a month or so later, but I think it was pretty much a month dead on, I decided to go back to it on the PS3. Which is weird because I'd always seen it as a as a Vita game, and I think to some extent that that was obviously the priority. It's such a tactile device, you know, you, with all the touch sensors and the screen for building the levels, it's ideal, and I thought that that's where I would truly enjoy that experience. And it turned out that I really enjoyed it on the PS3. And it's a shame because as a, visually, it actually looks better on the Vita, as mm. some games do. I actually prefer the look of it on the Vita to the PS4 in the same way that I prefer the, the swapper on the Vita to the PS4. And it sort of went through varying degrees. The first album I wasn't so sure on. The, the, the second one, when we got to Jim Guthrie, I thought was so clever. Um, and then, but obviously, by the time I got to Beck, I thought it was truly wonderful. And... I started talking about it on Twitter and there was a few people that I could have a conversation with. You know, I know Josh was a big supporter of it at the time, as was Sean. Um, and it's something that we'd mentioned that we'd like to discuss on the podcast at the time. And a mere two and a half years later, we're finally doing it. So uh, we've got quite a big list. And it's something that has been on this list for a while now and I thought would be an interesting topic because based purely on the back of that Beck album, the rest of it never felt truly special. It felt varying degrees from okay to good. And for me, the the Beck part of it felt so exceptional that that's why I wanted to talk about it. And it's why I continue to recommend the game to people. And they say, well, I'm not really keen on platforming games. I say, well, it doesn't really matter because it's not a proper platformer. Um, it doesn't really fall into any one specific genre. It sort of merges across them wonderfully. And it's a game that, as I mentioned earlier, allows you to experience it in the moment, which is quite rare. So it, it's quite laid back, completely no pressure. Um, and for anyone who ever wants to take a break from so many games that, that are either tough or get us stressed or annoyed for whatever reason, this is the complete opposite. Um, you're just able to sit back, chill out, and play one one song, play an album, play the whole game. It, it's, you know, not, none take too long. 
but it's it allows you to play at whatever pace you desire and the fact that it's always in sales um being a sony exclusive they're always pushing it and it's got a good deal of dlc it's got a fair few modes and if ever you're interested in seeing what a community can do then it's certainly worth picking up because some of that stuff is very very clever um so the the, the game certainly has legs beyond just what it offers you you know quote unquote out of the box um obviously that doesn't really count because it's digital only but um it's certainly worth picking up um to experience josh what about you um yeah i I would highly recommend Sound Shapes. Um, unlike a lot of games in this kind of genre of games that aren't really music games, but are kind of about music, the same as uh, Res and, and Sword and Sorcery, uh, this game has a lot of variety in terms of like what it brings to the table. Like Both Res and sound, uh, Sword and Sorcery very consistent in terms of their musical vision, whereas this feels like you're sampling uh, very different uh, kind of uh, spheres of the music scene. And um, it, it's one of the main reasons why I, I love this game so much. Um, the Dead Mouse and um, uh, Beck albums kind of stand out for me as the strongest content in the game, just because uh, the visuals and, and the music uh, just work really well, and and they do some really fascinating things with uh, interactivity uh, being very uh, very integrated with the music that's going on in the background. But with the exception of Beyonder, every album on this on, in this game is worth experiencing um, at least once. And if you're anything like me, you'll be playing the Cities album multiple times <laughs> over and over again mm. just to experience it uh, one more time. Um, yeah, I I I think this is a special game. Uh, that everyone should try and, and experience. And frankly, the lack of uh, Twitter community response uh, scares me. I, I really hope people are listening to this podcast and uh, seeking out this game straight away. Thank you very much. Yeah, for me, I've, I've given my background as somebody who didn't really know anything about the game before I read the reviews and just decided, eh, sounds good enough, I'll sit down and play it. And immediately fell in love with uh with the concept with the style with the music there's something about the i don't know the way that the presentation works with the music i i've always liked almost having like an artist curating the musical experience having these so intentionally paired really adds something special to the music the way that we can kind of remix the music in little tiny ways by collecting notes out of order and triggering which samples play or skipping notes entirely and seeing how that affects the mix of the song overall um, there's a lot of creativity and even though you don't feel like you're playing the song like you would in rock band you do feel like you're contributing to the musical experience and it being such a musical song and such a beautiful or a musical game is such a beautiful game to look at it lends itself well to to being kind of an introductory game for people who don't spend a lot of time playing video games. Uh, it's not terribly challenging. It, it's not hugely punishing, even in instances where the uh, player uh, does die. Uh, but I, I just had my girlfriend by the other day and kind of sat her down without any instructions as to how to play. And, uh, you know, before long, she was 
laughing and having a wonderful time just experiencing all these different levels and yeah it, it, it's something really magical and i i love sound shapes i always have and it's something that i just imagine will just constantly be on the hard drive of any playstation device that i own it's something I really like to go back to. And, you know, the fact that it started off as a Vita game does make a lot of sense. I think especially for the for the level creator, it would work really well. But I, I think nothing beats the way that it sounds with proper surround sound speakers. Mm-hmm. And especially because, you know, credit to I Am Robot and Proud or whoever was in charge of, of the audio engineering of the game. It sounds magnificent all the way through. All of the samples are very clean and everything loops really nicely. Uh, you know, it just sounds really magnificent on nice speakers. And so I'd say uh, if you're into music games or if you're just into something kind of quirky and different, give it a try. You know, especially if it's on sale, you're paying very little for the value that you're getting. You know, there's always the chance that you won't like it. But I, I think that it, it's something that has been very special for me for a very long time. And um I would uh, I'd recommend it to anyone, and I uh, always kind of wish that they have more DLC, kind of like that excellent dubstep metal pack that they released, squirreled away somewhere that maybe someday we'll be seeing more from the Sound Shapes team. But you know, I can hope. And uh, you know, I, I saved Sean for last because he has a little bit more of a musical history than any of us do. Uh, Sean, as a musician, what do you think <laughs> of Sound Shapes? Uh... Yeah, I think ultimately that might be why this uh, uh, game sticks with me. Um, you know, I, I really did enjoy the the base game, uh, the, the the you know the five albums that you get, um, especially the Beck and Dead Mouse albums. Um, but ultimately, for me, I think the reason I've never deleted it off my Vita, which is crazy because you always have to delete stuff off your Vita because the space <laughs> is so small in those cards, but it always stays yeah. on there because uh, that that creation tool um it's just got a really uh simple but deep tool set in there to for anyone who uh is you know wants to try and create something and um you know i've played a lot of games that have uh user generated content and i always at least try to give them a shot um but i, I not, I've, this is the only one i've ever stuck with and actually went and made full levels on and just the community that, that they've come up with some brilliant levels. And like I said, that, you know, it's, it can go from crap to great, but some of those great levels, you know, they tell their own stories and it's just something I never expected out of uh, sound shapes. And um, for 15 bucks, uh, you get, you know, thousands of levels uh, potentially, if you want to dive into that kind of stuff. And I think for the value, uh, as you said, you, you know, very little price for the value you get and yeah i highly recommend it to anyone even if you're not uh, creatively minded you're still gonna i think you'll still find a way to enjoy those uh, five albums you get so yeah it's a super fun game that's right level creators have come a long way since uh toying around with tony hawk's pro skater back in the day <laughs> yeah well anyways that is a. Uh, it's mostly been a positive podcast. Uh, so there are divergent opinions, but I think that does kind of represent the critical consensus has been fairly positive for the game. And so um, we're always happy to hear from people who didn't like it as well, which is an entirely valid opinion. But um, yeah, as of right now, we're mostly representing a positive slant on things. Anyways, that is uh, that's all for today's show. I'd like to thank Carl, Josh, and Sean for joining me, Ryan Heyman, on the uh, on the issue today. 
And next time, in issue 165, a two-hour podcast about five-second games? We'll see. It's WarioWare Inc., Maker Microgames, and Mega Party Games. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 